I had to carry a 13 year old little girl while people threw soda cans at me mm. and she looked at me as if I was Jesus and she was looking through me mm. while I walked back in the heat for seven miles. Like, Welcome to the Military Bottom Line Podcast, where we learn from veterans and those currently serving how to make the most out of a military contract. We're here to motivate, inspire, and help you leverage your service to positively impact you professionally, personally, and financially during your military career and beyond. Welcome to episode 45 of the Military Bottom Line Podcast. You know, I don't take this opportunity very often to speak with you guys. And, uh, you know, thanks for, thank you for listening. I uh, don't take the opportunity to tell you, like, how I'm trying to de- further develop this platform and this podcast. But just wanted to kind of plug it a little bit and make sure that you guys are, you know, aware that I exist on YouTube. I exist on Instagram. And I exist, this podcast exists on all of the podcast platforms. So uh, I try to provide more information uh, about benefits and how to leverage those benefits on Instagram and YouTube. So if you're interested in those materials and those resources, give me a follow there. But uh, I really appreciate you guys tuning into these episodes and I hope they're providing value for you. Uh, today on the show, I have Matt Jimenez, but his uh, his tag is Matt's All Right. Matt posts a lot on social media in regards to mental health. Um, he's got he's got a, a really intense story, and um, you know has experienced a lot not only through his childhood but also through his military career. And uh, it was it was a pretty sobering conversation for me. And it's not something that I usually you know try to talk about because I have no experience in these uh, more intense uh, military conflicts and deployments. And so I, I never want to speak out of turn and, and make an effort to speak on something that I am totally ignorant about. Um, so typically I, I take the approach of, of trying to help you guys uh, learn from my experience, which is more of like the, you know, the pogue life personnel other than the grunt and just take advantage of the opportunities that are education and, and financial. But the reality is that there is an entirely separate side of the military that is, um, you know, they're the ones in the front on every conflict or humanitarian mission. Um, and those people in the front, they, they have far different experiences than I do. And so it's something that I really enjoy listening to. Um, and I try to approach it as as humbly as I can and just learn from their experiences and uh, what they have to say. Uh, but I'm still learning on how to have those intense conversations. And so it's something that I've recognized, you know, my perspective on them has changed since I was 17 and I joined and not knowing anything and thinking it was okay to ask stupid questions or thinking it was okay to ask inappropriate questions rather. Um, but you know, than living in the Marine Corps and understanding the culture enough and understanding the experiences others had enough um, to, know, to know when it's not the right time or right question to ask. So I, I, I was talking to Matt and, you know, when seeing how he responds on social media, he uses a lot of humor to kind of deflect questions. But, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was an intense conversation. And um, like I said, I appreciated it. And I, I appreciate his perspective and, and other people's experiences uh, that I think aren't super well known because they're not really on the news. Um, but some of the things that these men and women go through are like super intense. And and we want to make sure, you know, I want to make sure that I respect them uh, and their experiences and never come across, you know, inappropriately or asking inappropriate questions that's gonna that's gonna cause them any pain so I think hopefully this conversation kind of gives you guys some perspective on on the reality that does exist within the military and within some conflicts and humanitarian missions around the world uh, that we involve ourselves in and so Matt has 
Matt has some experiences that um, not many get to live through and, and get to see. And um, I think that ignorantly, a lot of us young men and women join the military at a young age. Uh, we want these experiences. And it's only, from what I have learned, it's only the people that have experienced it that say you, you truly don't want these experiences. And so it's, as I get older, I recognize how, how much I appreciate being told that I don't want those experiences from somebody who's actually experienced it. If any of that makes sense, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling um, and trying to digest the conversation I just had. So uh, without further ado, I, you know, I really enjoyed my time with Matt. He's a great guy, super well-spoken. And while he doesn't show a ton of humor in this conversation uh, on his other channels via Twitch, TikTok, and Instagram, uh, he's a he's a very lighthearted, kind-hearted, and funny guy. So uh, I would definitely recommend giving him a follow. Matt's all right. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy this episode. What's going on, Matt? Thanks for joining me today. I am more than excited. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. I've been, uh, I've been watching your your TikToks for a little bit now and dude you have uh, uh, quite the sense of humor <laughs> oh uh, you've been okay so you've been watching which one which one comes to your mind because i need to know what you think of me because i'm insecure and weak-minded you're funny i mean you have like what uh, hundreds of TikToks now so it's, it's hard to I pick was, a single one i was hoping for good looking but funny funny is, is good we're gonna start with funny all right i'm gonna be funny you're very attractive too <laughs> <laughs> got friend zoned and we're only just starting <laughs> yeah yeah well we'll see how this conversation goes then we'll uh maybe move to the next step very nice uh <laughs> yeah thank you so much for watching those man i uh i spend a lot of time trying to make sure that i'm putting out content that people can take something away from mm -hmm. uh learn or laugh or make fun of me because I'm crying on camera for the third time in a week, that mm. kind of thing. They're like video diaries more than anything else. Yeah. And dude, I, I know, dude, it, that is, uh, it's rare to see that kind of, um, genuine, you know, character on, on social media. And so Thank to come forward you. like that, that's, that's pretty significant and, and, and rare. I think, I think, so here's the thing too, because when I did social media, I've been doing it for, for so long and i think i never had a following i never had anybody watch me on social media mm. i think i was plateaued around twelve thousand followers which may sound like a lot to some people but if you do social media twelve thousand means maybe 1200 watch one video yeah yeah uh, maybe lucky but uh the minute i stopped trying to be something i thought people wanted and just started being me on mm. camera I, I think I was lucky enough to some people say, Oh, this is a real person. Yeah. Just talking to the camera and without any guard up, any like regard for myself. Cause here's the, if you watch the videos, you can make the very conscious decision not to respect me afterwards mm. Mm. based on whatever you want, because you are getting just the real version of you are getting the drunk 2am version without any makeup on <laughs> and you can just whether or not you still hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I think authenticity is uh, what people are looking for these days. They're kind of sick of seeing the the filtered Instagram of everything. And so, um, you know, while some people might not like you, I think it, it appears that most people do like you at this point. So that authenticity is, has been working out. Thank you. And being being authentic has, has got me to a point to where because if you watch the videos, uh, and a little bit about me too, I'm sorry, I'm just like immediately trying to plug my Instagram. No, so no, not at all. Uh, I was an 0311 rifleman yeah. with Italian second Marines from 2008 to 2012. Uh, during that time I did three deployments. That's one more than, than your average. Normally most grunts do two deployments. Um, I did three deployments overseas during that time and I had a really rough career. I had a really rough enlistment. I had a court martial. Mm. I've had Italian NJP. Um, I did do the three deployments. I did see, a lot of combat. Uh, I did get wounded at the end of my tour. I'm saving that story actually for, for my book that I'm writing too. Mm. And when I got out, I spent two years trying to hide from a diagnosis of PTSD. Um, mm. 
I thought people who had PTSD were weak because that's how I was taught that people who have feelings are weak. That's how I was raised uh, as a kid to think that if you are emotional anyway, uh, you're weak minded. So I hid for that for so long. And then one day I just got on social media and I started letting out all my feelings and how I felt. And, uh, I never, I, you know, I've never even told anybody that I had PTSD until July of this last year. And wow. I've been out February of 2012. I never told a single person. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I know, so, I know you're using your platforms to, to, you know, speak on mental health. Uh, and, and that's something that, you know, is near and dear to your heart to, to yeah. communicate about. <laughs> It is because I think that I think I think we've, if we trace every problem in our society, it has to do with mental health. Mm. Every single problem has to do with mental health. People want to issue about argue about religion. People want to argue about politics. Mm. But though everything that we have is a man made tool, uh, economy is a man. That is something that we've invented. Yeah. And people decide to use these things for a negative choice because they have poor mental health to begin with. Mm. So it's like people have a problem with people who are religious or um, who follow politics. My problem is not with anybody besides the people who are unable to make the conscious decision of right from wrong because they have poor mental health. Mm. Besides care what religion you believe in Mm. or whether or not you or Republican or Democrat. I don't care about any of those things. I care about, do you have an undiagnosed disorder and are you walking around society thinking that's okay? Mm. Mm. I think that's, I think that's something I try and uh, grapple with because did you know seven in 100 men have uh, walk around on a daily basis and they're not diagnosed for narcissism, which they actually have seven in 100 men have narcissism. Interesting. Uh, narcissist, and they're not diagnosed. I didn't even know that was a diagnosable narcissism like I thought, is yeah no narciss- go ahead go ahead there's different types but the main one if i was going to break it down by style means that you are incapable of being wrong in your own mind and you'll do anything to prevent it from happening huh. so if i were to cheat on my girlfriend yeah and she i would have to find a way to blame her blame my father blame society all these things but the minute I wasn't able to blame her at all, I'd have to shatter her existence for my entire life and never talk to her again. Wow. And that's called getting ghosted. And we label, we label that as ghosted, ghosting people. Really, why people are ghosting people is because they might have narcissism and they can't have you in their life if they feel insecure about your being. Hmm. Hmm. So I, I, I dude, this is, this is fascinating. And so I, before we get like super into this i kind of want to get an idea of like a a bigger picture of who you are and how you found yourself so in tune and and aware of mental health and so i mean like where did you grow up how and why did you decide to join the marine corps and when was that so i i grew up uh i was i was a stereotypical 90s kid if you watch a sublime music video (laughs) yeah and you see a kid getting in a fist fight with a mullet or a or squirt gun and then like behind the high school drinking, like I had a very st- stereotypical non-internet life. Mm. I grew up without the internet. We did grow up for, yeah. uh, my mother was uh, a server in a restaurant and she helped raise uh, my brother and I, neither of us really had father figures. And I grew up very angry mm. and insecure uh, for a very long time. I was, I was bullied to a point to where I look back and can't believe that I just wasn't, um, for lack of a better term, uh, a, a school shooter kind of kid. Wow. Like just really authentically bullied mm. on a constant basis. Um, so I grew up in a town called Ventura, California, which is affluent. Like that town has money, yeah. but I was one of the only five poor kids in the whole damn entire town. So that's <laughs> why I was bullied so badly is because I was, you know, Kenny from South Park. Yeah. 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 I, South Park. They used to call me Payless Shoes when I'd walk around my high school. Wow. It got to a point to where, you know, a lot of family matter stuff at home, I ended up being homeless. Mm. And to support myself, I ended up starting to sell marijuana. Mm. And it's funny that I say that that way because uh, I don't think anyone who sold weed would ever say I sold marijuana. But <laughs> I'm back to where I'm not going to try and talk. Yeah. 
the way I used to to support the way I used to be. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I was, I used to, I was a criminal and I would rob drug dealers and sell their drugs. Wow. And that's how I support myself. And uh, it's something I use as, as like a factor of teaching why I'm the way I am. I never try and make it sound cool. So I really don't dive into details too much on it mm -hmm. because I don't want younger people that I'm talking to, to mm -hmm. validate that. I like that. I want that I was 120 pounds and eating McChickens and starving to death and robbing people with a steak knife so I could try and sell their drugs so I could buy more McChickens. Wow. Um, it was a hard life. And one day it caught up with me just like it does. And I had to get out and leave the world behind me. And I was always patriotic. I grew up in a military family. Uh, my uncle, Vietnam, 0311 rifleman. Uh, and I joined the Marines and I, and I was in it for the long haul. I wanted to do the full 20 years. I, I joined the Marine Corps infantry specifically because I wanted to validate the fact that I wasn't the little kid that got bullied. Mm. I would be able to tell myself, all right, not only am I a tough guy, I'm going to pick the hardest job that I can think of off the bat without any other research. And I'm going to join the Marines and I'm going to join the job where you get a gun. Mm. And that's how I ended up in the Marine Corps infantry. And I tell people I joined because I was homeless, insecure, and patriotic. Interesting. I mean, yeah. did, did, when you first joined, did you feel like you were getting that validation? Like, was it, was it doing oh, its job for you? Almost immediately to the point where I was upset because I, uh, if, if, if anyone's listening, if they know what the guide is mm -hmm. in boot camp, I was the, I became the guide almost immediately. The guide is mm -hmm. where you're, you're the guy in charge of those 70 recruits, supposedly. You're the guy who carries the flag. You're the, you're the toughest guy, supposedly, in the bunch. I became the guide right away. Mm. And I was a squad leader the entire time. And I realized, oh, I'm not weak. I'm not some I, – I am tough. And then after that, all of my insecurities almost went away, I would say, one month in a boot camp. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, because I realized I wasn't the weak kid. I wasn't the one who, I didn't fall out any of the hikes. Yeah. I wasn't crying at nighttime, um, wanting to go home. I did so well, so fast that it actually just made me angrier. And I started becoming violent in boot camp. Interesting. It made you angry because you wanted more of a challenge or like, why did it make you angry? I think I felt empowered for the first time in my life mm. to where it wasn't, that was my first time in my life to where I wasn't bullied. Mm. When I was homeless and I was committing felonies, obviously I wasn't bullied, but I didn't know if I was a tough guy or if I was a tough guy because I was able to harm you with a weapon if I wanted to. Gotcha. But now here I am on green and green PT with flip flops on and standing up to people and threatening them and seeing them back down to where it's like, oh, mm. I'm angrier because now here I am in life when I felt like I could have had more than just this, mm. like right away, I felt like, uh, I was happy I joined the Marines and I was proud to be in it, but I was like, Oh, I could have done more than just the Marine Corps. I could make, what else could I have done? Mm. But here I am for your contract in the Marines that I have to fill out before I can find out what's next. How old were you at that time? It's 19, 19 when I joined 19. Yeah. Hmm. I was a high school dropout too. So I had to go back and take night school for my diploma for five months just wow. to go to. Oh my goodness. I mean, between that and I mean, you said, what was it? Oh, oh, six. I joined in January of 2008. 2008. And so maybe at that time it was a little bit easier, but I imagine between, you know, a criminal background and not graduating college or rather high school that the Marine recruiters, was it difficult to get in? I had five waivers. I was, um, I was listed as a gang member. Mm. Uh, so I had to get that waived. I had scarification because I had carved um, where I was from in my skin at the time. Mm. Uh, I have tattoos on my forearms that I also had to get covered. I had to get um, waivers for. I have scoliosis and I'm flat footed and I had to get waivers for all of that. So it wow. took me and then I had to go back and get the high school diploma. So it was like, I really wanted to join. Yeah, you can clearly. Tell. Clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is uh that is a lot of work, <laughs> way more work than most people have to undergo. Yeah. And, um, 
and all of this is while I'm like still kind of sort of homeless and people are looking for me mm. that I've done wrong. Like people were actively saying, have you seen so-and-so? No. Why? Cause I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to stab him when I see him. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like I got to get out of here. Yeah. I better hurry up. Graduate uh, high school. Mm. You know? Mm. So then you, you, you joined as an O three. Uh, I mean, how, how quickly did you find yourself deployed once you hit the fleet? You know what? I think I got to the fleet in July. So about five or six months. I think I deployed in, um, I don't think I deployed until February. So I had a good four or five months. I don't, whatever that time difference is. I had yeah. that time, um, to just get hazed the entire time. Okay. And how did that, you know, how did that impact, you know, the, the high that you were on during boot camp and the training when you hit the fleet? Like, I, I, I guess I'm trying to walk through a little bit, you know, the, your walk with mental health from childhood through, you know, through now, um, and how, like how the ups and downs kind of played yeah. out over your career. Uh, I was going to be a father. So day one out of boot camp, my girlfriend says I'm pregnant. Wow. Day first day out of boot camp, I'm walking down the street with a cell phone. I get a phone call saying I'm pregnant. And so it's like, so everyone knew I was going to have a baby and yeah. everyone knew I was going to be a dad. So I made sure to try my best to be a good Marine and use communication and explain to my chain of command, I'm going to have a baby. Yeah. Tell them this. And I tell them this. I'm so proud. I'm so happy. And I think everyone, I still think I'm the center of attention because I'm a kid. So I think people actually care about me for yeah. some reason. <laughs> um, so I get to my chain of command, third battalion, second Marines. And the first thing I do, let them know in July, I'm having a kid in October. They say, okay, well, about 30 days before that, I say, I'm having a kid. How do I submit leave? I have no idea. And they said, oh, who are you going to go see? Your wife? And I said, no, not my wife, my girlfriend. They said, you have a girlfriend. What about your wife? I said, I'm not married. They said, are you having a baby with your girlfriend? I said, yes, first sergeant. They said, oh, well, you can't go home and see your baby born because that's not your baby. If you're not married, the Marine Corps does not recognize that as your child. So we don't have to give you leave. So all of the time, I think I'm going to be a good Marine, a good dad, all these things. And we're not deploying. We're not going to Iraq, Afghanistan. First sergeant uh, just basically tells me you can't go home. Uh, I was a kid. I started crying right right off the Mm -hmm. bat because I didn't know what to do. Yeah, Uh, They had a formation that same day and he let the entire company know if you were having a baby, you don't get to go home and see the baby born unless you're married. Wow. We're shaking in formation. And uh, I went UA right after that. Hmm. And I, and I I tell people that too. And that's where a lot of people hate on me on social media. They'll say, Oh, you're a coward. You, you went UA. I say, no, they told me to go. They, they, I felt, you know, and I made the conscious decision to leave. And I left for 28 days. Just shy gone. of desertion, huh? Just shy. I made sure of it. You knew and that. Sh- you knew that going into it. Yeah. I wanted to rub it in their face mm. that they couldn't charge me for that. Mm. So I made sure to enjoy all the time I wanted. And I went back and they maxed me out. And they told me if you would have made that 29, that 30 day mark, we would have got you for desertion. Wow. And we would have. They told me we would have given you the year in prison, the whole deal. But instead, they gave me the 45-45, lost in rank, um, two months half pay, non-rec. And uh, they made sure I didn't get to see my daughter for a long time after that. They made sure all of my leaves somehow accidentally got canceled. And so that's that's when I lost a lot of respect for um, not only am I validated and I feel like I can do this, now I see how toxic the chain of command can be if they want to. Yeah. And I know that respect me no matter what I'm willing to do for them. Yeah. 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 That's tough. And I had another guest on here that, you know, they went UA similar reasons. Like, it's like, why can't I go home? Uh, whatever I'm going home anyways, type thing. Um, you know, and it's definitely unfortunate. And, you know, for somebody like yourself, you know, that started off on a, on a high note, really excited about it as a guide, um, wanting to do 20 type thing. And then like, you know, within your first year, basically you're, you're dealing with that kind of nonsense. It's, it's, uh, it's unfortunately the gloating is what got me like, yeah, you don't get to go home. Okay. Mm. All right. 
You got me. But when you have a company for formation and basically passive aggressively make fun of me for it, I was just like, oh, that's and now I'm leaving. And I got on a flight that same day. Mm. Mm. Uh, and yeah. But you know what's funny? The I still, you know, I still have my honorable discharge and everything like that. Nice. And I was still getting awards, you know, for leadership after that too. Mm. You know, I did really well after that. Yeah. Um did, did and I'm I mean, did you yeah. work to have to like redeem yourself and redeem that reputation? Or did it kind of come naturally and they kind of forgave you and they realized they were in the wrong? No, they, they treated me like a leper when I came back. And there was no matter what, everyone knew, you know, he met his, my last name, everyone knew he met his, what you ate, he's kid born. He didn't run away and get dragged back to the gates or anything like that. Uh, but there was still this weird, all the people who just didn't care, who just didn't, who didn't want to have the inclination to like me. You know, there's those guys who just don't really know you already, don't care. Yeah. The first thing out of their bat is, oh, coward. Even though I came back, still did my job, took yeah. the charge, you know, there's still that. Not yeah. like you like skipped a deployment or anything, like maybe a field op, maybe, you know. <laughs> like, I missed whole, not cold weather training. I missed uh, some training in Virginia to where you basically just, you know, freeze your nuts off for two weeks. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I came back and I got hazed better than probably most people got trained. They made sure that to give me some really good hazing when I came back. So. Yeah, sure. Right on. All right. So then you, you end up doing three deployments. Uh, what were the nature of those deployments? Because obviously you and I know that not every deployment means a war zone. Right, right. So the first one was a MEW. And um, our job was to work with uh, uh, Marsoc Marines mm. for the Somalian pirates. Mm. So we, we just waited for pirates to try and take another ship. Is this for before, before or after the Captain Phillips? Story. I don't know. I don't know. All I knew is that Somalian pirates were trying to mess with ships. Yeah. As good. So like back then it wasn't even like you told me Somalian pirates and I was thinking <laughs> pirate Somal like I didn't get it. I was like, this is Black Hawk down mixed with like buccaneers? What's yeah. going on? <laughs> right. Thought pirates were in the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. So all we did was pretty much float around, hang out, um, you know, hate our lives, get quarantined for swine flu. Mm. <laughs> was my actual hardest deployment and it's funny because everybody wants to know about the combat mm. uh, everybody wants but like my second deployment to haiti uh humanitarian so many people up front disrespect because they think it's not a real deployment because there wasn't combat and i get so hurt in so many ways because that was the hardest deployment um uh, even that was a horrible, horrible. I mean, two hundred thousand people died in January mm. twenty ten. Two hundred thousand people. So, I mean, anyone who's listening can do the numbers. Yeah. It's not like everyone died. No, yeah, I would say one in five people died. So, what happened to the other four people? They were still under the buildings. They wow. they were crushed, smashed. They were um, broken and. Here's the thing. Haiti is a Haiti is I think the poorest country ever. I'm sure like Haiti has the record of being the country that needs the most humanitarian aid and being the poorest. They had no means to help themselves whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So here I am, this 20 year old. Now my job for the next four months is walk up and down streets, looking under bricks and seeing if there's anyone looking like they're moving or crying. Or that we can help, that we can call back up for, or like uh, QRF quick reaction force to come try and can we get this person out of the rubble? Wow. And that's all for for months. And then pass out food, and so so I'm diagnosed with PTSD, and I say I don't have PTSD from Afghanistan. I have PTSD from Haiti. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, just just people just seeing all the carnage. No, 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 no. Hmm. Um, children crying it hits different for me in in the worst way and it's because i have i have five kids by the way wow so i love my kids but if one of them between a certain age cries i don't know what it does to me Mm -hmm. it makes me insane to the point to where i do violently attack myself um Mm. i lose consciousness i black out and it's because when we were in haiti we were um we were taking in kids 
who needed to be medevaced to Guantanamo Bay. And so if there's a line of 200 people waiting and they're, they're all standing in line and horrific details, you can imagine they're in line to receive treatment because uh, a rock fell on their face from 40 feet and their face is hanging, but they're standing there patiently because we're only taking in kids first. And so I'm sitting there trying to eat a chicken fajita MRE while listening to, uh, I'm going to cry right now, uh, listening to kids scream. Yeah. And you don't know what they're screaming about. Are they screaming because uh, they have a blister because it's a kid mm-hmm. or are they screaming because um, their femur is smashed and we pull them out of the rubble. And, and now, ever since then, if I hear a child scream, mm. instant violent thoughts inside of my head of just pure anger and adrenaline from mm. that time. Haiti, yeah. Haiti was the, and then, you know, little to no sleep. And then they have voodoo there. So a lot of the kids who weren't receiving help from the locals, it's because uh, if, you, if you, you yourself, uh, you know, you die, you, you didn't die, your family died. And then you just went insane because your, your baby and your wife died. They wouldn't have helped you because they think that the evil voodoo spirits got in your head. So they think if they try and help you, wow. Uh, reason why you're crying and screaming and not eating or drinking water is because you have voodoo in your brain. Wow. Then the Marines show up three weeks later and you're starved and gaunt in the middle of the street and we try and pick you up and I'm trying to pick up, here's Jason. I'm trying to pick him up and bring him back to Guantanamo Bay for treatment. They start throwing full soda cans at your head. Unreal. They're making fun of you saying that the Marines are going to get voodoo because we're trying to help a dying person. Hmm. So it's like people always say, Oh, you know, that's not a real deployment humanitarian. Like if you would have been on that deployment with me, anyone who had been on that deployment, if you ever talked to anyone who went to Port-au-Prince, they tell you that that was rougher than a lot of combat zones because you don't get the credit for the humanitarian deployments. Yeah. I mean, that's wild. Like, I I mean, I I think most people, you know, know that that earthquake happened, Um, but I don't, it's not covered like that, you know, like hearing that those firsthand stories, it's just like, yeah, there's a number on the screen of how many people died and there was an earthquake, you know, but, but to really firsthand see an experience, like, I didn't see a single reporter from the United States in Haiti. I must've seen over a dozen in Afghanistan trying to, trying to cover the, the war on terror. Uh, And, you know, I'm not political. I don't do, I don't do politics, but I don't think that reporters do politics either. Mm. I think that they are corporations owned by people who are told what to report. Mm. And I was picking up dying kids in Haiti. I didn't see a single reporter with a camera talking about, Hey, you know, these Marines, all of these people, you know, the left, the, the left, a lot of them have a problem with these bases all over the world. And I try and explain to them, a MEW is a Marine Expeditionary Unit. It's made to react to any situation within 72 hours because of where it is. If you try to tell me that America shouldn't be everywhere, then I'm going to tell you things like Haiti. Mm. No one helped those people at all. There was no one in Haiti besides some Japanese guys, some some of the Japanese uh, Defense Force. So like, I, I try to educate a lot of people and tell them yeah. Americans help and it's not covered on the news just mm. much, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it's always, it's not really painted in that light. Usually it's like, you know, the, the big, the big, bad American military there to, you know, do damage rather than do good. And I mean, you serve, you know, that half the military is from California. <laughs> uh, like half the military, I've met some of the most hippie liberal guys in the entire world, Marine Corps <laughs> infantry. Uh, like I never, I can't remember a single time in my platoon of Marine Corps infantry to where there was a genuine racist moment, mm. uh, or a genuine, like really, it was just a bunch of uneducated 19, 20 year olds trying their best to not be the runt of the litter. And, yeah. uh, I think, uh, everyone's supposed to, in the, in the, in the news media, everyone's supposed to look like Bradley Cooper and have PTSD and shaking inside an Arby's. Really, it's a 19, 20 year old kid who's just doing his best. Yeah. 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 Well said. Hmm. So, man, I, I, that's really interesting. I've never heard somebody 
say that like a, a humanitarian deployment or mission like that was was harder than their combat deployment is harder than the combat and here's the thing too i wasn't on a i have a combat action ribbon and um i'm very factual about i i don't because i i'm so online that people know me mm-hmm. because they were there with me in combat like the guy who was in my very first firefight next to me has seen every single video i've ever done mm-hmm. and you know just as well as i if if i or you or somebody had tried to change a story or add to it um I would have just been called out by now for sure. Yeah. And so I'm so factual because I want to make sure that even from my friend's perception, that the things that I'm telling aren't exaggerated to make me look better. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, if you watch any of my social media videos, I look foolish and silly. <laughs> uh, I look really genuinely dumb in my videos because yeah. I was like, I get, I tell people stories. And this is why I get called stolen dollars so much is because I do have the real combat stories. Uh, and I'll tell you that Haiti hurt me worse than the real combat stories. Mm. Uh, but perception is king. It's not like I, I don't know. It's not like the movie where my best friend got hit in front of me and I had to hold him while he cried. Yeah. I didn't have that happen. Yeah. I just had stories in Haiti happen to where I had to carry a 13 year old little girl while people threw soda cans at me. Mm. And she looked at me as if, I was Jesus and she was looking through me mm. while I walked back in the heat for seven miles. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But the, the combat stories that I have, I mean, I have, I have the real combat stories too. And uh, a lot of people were in shock because I don't look like I could even change oil of a vehicle, let alone like put rounds. <laughs> the people who are listening can't hear me right now, but I look feminine. I have a woman's nose. Like I, I mean, I look like, I don't know. I look like I might be uh, enjoying the time of my life in San Francisco rather than putting round, rounds on range in Afghanistan. You also look far younger than you are. And this will be on YouTube. So if anybody wants to watch on YouTube, they can see your beautiful mug. <laughs> I think I'm, 30, I'm 32 years old. Yeah, I was born October 9th, 1988. And people think I'm usually, I think like 26 is what I get picked for a lot. Yeah. 26. Yeah. And, and which yeah. is, which is, you know, most people complain about the, how the Marine Corps ages them. And, you know, like some guy retires at 38, but he looks 68 kind of thing. Um, I smoked for 10 years too. No kidding. Wow. Smoked cigarettes for 10 years. I mean, two years rigs, two years as a rancher. People say, what's your secret? And I tell them, um, jeans, don't let, don't let people try and sell you skin medicine or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's funny. That was one of the TikToks I had. I just watched right before this. Uh, you had a different punchline, but we won't, we won't include it here. <laughs> Use the same punchline. You see, I'm not recycling material on you. I'm trying to keep it original for you. The other punchline I think was a little bit more refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I see you respond a lot to questions that you know your your followers give you and i mean it just makes me think back to like myself when i was in high school when i was thinking about joining like you don't you don't know what's appropriate to ask and what's not appropriate to ask when you you like you're completely ignorant on all these matters and you just have this curiosity based on what you see and hear in movies tv news right and i mean like you 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 handle it well, typically with humor. Um, but like, I don't know, I guess for those people that ask those questions and, and trying to help them understand why it's inappropriate to ask of like, you know, have you killed anybody or how many people have you killed? You know? Yeah. I I get that one usually, uh, every single, how, how many people have you killed? Uh, and I, and I try and, Sometimes I'm more respectful than others. Yeah. 90%, I mean, even if I'm making fun of the question, I'm still not being, I'm not personally attacking the human being mm, and like trying to make people bad or something. Uh, but yeah, how many people have you killed? Uh, and I tell them, if you wanted to ask me a question like that, it would be in a book uh, or documentary, something like this. Like if there was a serious conversation for some reason you were, you wanted to know, I would answer that question here. Um, but I tell them, that answer needs to have context to it because needs to have a certain amount of regard and respect to it because it's not a passive thing. Mm -hmm. You don't get about killing somebody as if it is not just on your belt because this isn't Hollywood. I mean, the, the act of killing 
is so superficial mm. if you allow it to be because of the person you've killed in the situation dynamic. So let's say I shot some guy from 200 meters away and he died right away and he was a Taliban and he had no family, no kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, that probably that's not going to stay with me. Now, let's say there's another guy right before I got to Afghanistan who beat someone to death with his own with his own weapon and had to do it right there uh, because he was in the middle of a firefight and he saw a barrel. St- I'm not sure if you remember the story. There was a barrel sticking out and the guy got like a silver star for it and he grabbed the weapon and they started fighting. He ended up beating him to death with his own uh, PKM. Yeah. Uh, that's something you don't, that I don't want that guy being asked. Yeah. How many people have you killed? Like he doesn't have to sit there and remember that. So it's, a, it's just a, you know, it's such an irrelevant question. Like what, what is. difference? Does I, make? Make, I make the joke. Uh, oh, we're asking personal questions. Uh, <laughs> how fat are your mom's tits? <laughs> like, yeah. Good pers- yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's it to you? What, like, what, how will this change anything? You know? And, and so I, I think like, you know, not, not even like asking, like, did you, it's not even yes or no, but just, you know, trying to gain perspective on the, the experience and the deployment as a whole should be yeah. sufficient for anybody who's, you know, maybe thinking about joining the Marine Corps and going infantry. Like, yeah, because not everybody's going to have the same experience. Um, but just a, some insight and perspective on, on an individual's experience should be enough to kind of like let you know if that's something that you're willing to put up with. Yeah. And, and they, they go for the gusto of what, what, like I said, Hollywood has taught them that is the, the culmination because what they're really doing is they're, they're trying to, it's a fight or flight response. Mm. That's all they're really doing in my mind. It's a fight or flight response to where I just told you, I have something you don't have. So your, your, your automated response, your innate response is to fear change. Humans treat change as if it's physical pain. That's how they react to change is physical pain. So the fact that I just said I have something you don't have, they see a change in the environment mm. to have to acclimate to, and they get to decide whether or not they're going to react to it or run from it. And a lot of them choose to run from it. And they say, I'm not going to ask this guy any questions. And maybe it's because it's a learned technique, or maybe it's because it's an innate technique that they don't want to know because it hurts them to know. Then you have the other people who they use the fight response and they automatically go for the gusto and they say, how many people did you kill? Interesting. Because that is innate in human beings. And if you notice the pattern in human beings is that so many of them either don't ask at all or they do. Mm. And it's not because of anything besides that's what's in their DNA to do is to either go for the gusto or leave it alone. Mm. And the people who go for the gusto and they want to use that fight response and know those things they are typically closer to more of an animalistic nature Mm. and they're more prone to number one violence, number one being reactive um, without thinking. Cause if you think about it, they're thinking before they speak. That's why they would ask a question like that. That's more, that's closer to an animalistic nature. So thinking before they speak, or do you mean speaking before they think? No, they're sorry. Yeah. They're not thinking before they speak like an animal, like a dog just automatically starts barking yeah. Because it helps out. And that's what they're doing. So I try and say to myself, oh, okay. They, they're not thinking because they're closer to what an animal does. Why would I have to be offended by an animal? Mm. And I don't get offended by it. And I think to myself, they don't know. They're just reacting to a fight or flight response. If I get offended, then what separates me from this person? Why get offended then? And I never get offended. Mm. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I I mean, I'd be lying if I said like when I was, you know, when I was 17, 18, like looking to join, trying to trying to understand like what life in the Marine Corps was like. And, you know, like I'd be lying if I said I never asked that question, you know, but over the years and being in the Marine Corps and better understanding how inappropriate that question is and like, you know, understanding like why I shouldn't ask that question or why anybody should, you know, not ask that question. I remember a friend I- relating it to like asking a woman if they've ever been raped you know like, yeah that's a super intense question why would you ask that and what difference does it make to you you know right that's a that's a great way to put it you know what i never thought about that before but you, you know what i grew up in a house to where i i knew people 
I never killed anyone before the military or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I knew people who had killed a couple of people. I've known two people who had killed someone before uh, the military. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, my grandfather was a uh, World War II, uh, 11 Bravo in the Army. And he had a Purple Heart and he had a, a, a CIB combat infantry badge. And then my uncle was a 0311 in the Marines. Uh, my other cousin was a Marine. I, I mean, I came from that... Uh, I came from that military family. So I think that I was lucky enough to where I knew not to ask it because no one else had asked it. Mm. So I was like, okay, it's kind of like that elephant in the room yeah. technique. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It makes sense. And that's, that's a level of, you know, observation that, that I feel like most people lack. Uh, most people, you know, we're talking about mental health. Most people don't have fathers. Uh, and so no one taught them that. And it's primarily males who ask that question. I've never had a young woman ask me that question. It's most males who haven't had a father figure are the ones who ask the question. You know what I mean? Yeah. You mentioned before the actually recording that you were, that you were in Afghanistan. Was it? Was it Afghanistan? Yeah, I was in, uh, I was in uh, Nauzad, Afghanistan. Okay. And, and it was at, at that same time frame within the same unit of the, the individuals that were in trouble mm, yeah. for, for urinating on. The yeah, that was, that was my unit. Second Marines, they had urinated on the uh, dead Taliban bodies. Yeah. It, I mean, we didn't talk about this, but like, you know, for my, my own education, kind of like explaining that, you know, how, how did how did that and why like i don't know the the media obviously took off on it and, and yeah, obviously, media, you know it shouldn't media, have been posted probably um it should have, it's such a hard thing to think that humans have to engage in killing each other but then there's rules behind it <laughs> it's such, it's such yeah. an odd thing to think, to think about that we as a society are at a point to where we have rules to kill each other mm. but we haven't figured out that killing each other is wrong that the act of killing another human being is not uh, beneficial. Mm. I'm not going to say it's not in our DNA because it is. Yeah. Killing is in our DNA, but it is not beneficial. So, I mean, people ask about aliens. Why aren't the aliens here? Because they probably see us stabbing each other to death and they think, give them 20 years. We'll be back. <laughs> Lock the windows as, we're, as they're flying by <laughs> in their spaceships. So, that was that you know that that was a rough situation, yeah. and the situation had a lot of context to it that wasn't covered by the media. Of course, uh, Sergeant Bradley, uh, I want to say I don't want to get any of the names wrong, but it's, it's been years. But their platoon sergeant, the sniper platoon, mm-hmm. you know, snipers go in a platoon, but then they get split up into teams and assigned to different companies. Yeah. So, for example, there's probably four or five sniper sniper teams per platoon. One got sent with Lima Company. One got sent with Kilo, with India, with weapons, with H&S, and sent to different area of operations. Um, my best friend happened to join snipers before we deployed, and he got assigned to me. So I got a lot of the inside information as to what happened and why it happened, even though I wasn't best friends with the, the sniper team. Okay. He was in their platoon. So there was a sergeant. Roberts, Rob, Robert, Robertson, Roberts, I want to say, mm-hmm. but everyone can look him up if they're watching this. Uh, he is famous in the Marine Corps because he has a, a sign of him saying, hi, mom, with, with uh, tubes coming out of his nose mm. after he had been blown up by an IED and he sent it to his mom on Mother's Day while he was getting awarded his Purple Heart. Wow. So that, that young man was allowed to redeploy with my unit with snipers and go uh, on a combat deployment after that had happened. So Mm. here's this young man who's been in combat. He's already got a purple heart and they're sending him right back into combat because he volunteered for it. Mm. He was with the sniper team that peed on the dead body. So that's one element. Now you have a guy who's in charge of the sniper team. Who's already been wounded by the Taliban. Mm. The next one is their platoon sergeant had stepped on an IED and he didn't die. He lived with uh, half of his body for almost two weeks, I believe. Mm. Uh, 
while everybody in my battalion wait for word if this guy is going to live. Is this guy going to live? Is this guy going to live? Sure enough, he dies, unfortunately. And then there's a third element. There's another Marine who had been killed, and uh, I don't know the correct term for it, but uh, cut up into pieces and left out by the Taliban mm. um, to mess, you know, mess with the Marines. So yeah. now there's three elements that nobody really talks about in the news. Yeah. Now you have these snipers led by a young man who's already been wounded in combat. Their platoon sergeant has recently died after living for two weeks um, with half of his body missing. And then there's another body who's been cut up and we're in fighting season and they kill a couple of Taliban and they get left with the bodies. I'm not sure if the viewers know, but we pick up the bodies. We don't leave bodies or anything like that. Like there's, we're still at the point into this conflict to where there's an investigation. Typically there's like some kind of formal investigation. If we have a dead body, was it a good kill? Yeah. Like, was it correct? So we have to take the bodies with us so the family members can claim them as well. So you have these snipers left with dead Taliban who possibly were the same ones who had cut up uh, a Marine and left him out. And they're sitting there. And one of them has to urinate. And he probably got up and said, I'm going to pee right here. And the rest of them probably said, "Ah, I'm going to do it too. And then they filmed it. And that was just another Tuesday in a combat zone in 2011, yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah. And uh, one of them got into an argument with a wife, I believe, and she knew he had the video when he got home and she uploaded it on YouTube uh, to get back at him. Wow. wow. And then the Sergeant Robert, I want to say Robert, Rob Richards, Sergeant Richards, I'm sorry. Sergeant Robert Richards is his name. Sergeant Richards um, died uh, in about a year or two after uh, he died. Uh, he died a very young man. He was, you know, I'm not going to go into too much detail about his death. I'll just say what's factual yeah. is that uh, he was using drugs and he died from an overdose, mm-hmm. a very young man, I think about 26 years old. And so no one covered that. No one really talked about this young man's life of volunteers to go to combat, does this thing with these bodies loses his career in the military, gets left out to dry and then dies of a drug overdose. And that's the story. Man. Man. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's almost like the other side of the coin where, you know, the world and the media doesn't really care about the humanitarian missions that you guys were doing. They, 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 they focus on the bad. And then like similar in this situation, they only focus on the bad and give no context to how we got here or how they got there kind of thing. Yeah. What was, what was the check to make sure that this young man was going to go back into a combat zone and that he was going to be good after? Yeah. Like if we can have rules to kill each other, why can't we have rules to taking care of the young man who are having to do the killing? Yeah. Cause here's the thing. I guarantee you that killing those Taliban, I can't guarantee it because I'm not those guys. Sure. If it was me, I have zero problem killing those Taliban. I just, if anything, I would have been happier for it because I know what the Taliban are. The Taliban are child molesters who bully their country based on a holy scripture that most of them can't read. Mm. And the minute that they stop firing at me is the minute I'm so much happier because I don't have to worry about being fired at. I would have zero problem doing that. Would I have peed on their bodies? I don't know. If I was there, maybe it's, I mean, that's, that's a mob mentality. Yeah. You get caught up in that. enthusiasm of the second and you you just do it you know yeah yeah but uh i think about sergeant richards a lot like i i've made a a video or two about him and i want people to understand the fact that you're okay with persecuting him but were you okay with not helping him Mm. before you allow him to go back into a combat zone Mm. yeah you know yeah and yeah you know it's like i mean if people were presented with that question if they were, which they weren't, you know, like would it even matter if they, if they were presented with that, you know, like would they react differently? Yeah. They want to get into the, I would have never been there in the first place. Yeah. And then they would have said some silly line, like, cause I don't kill for oil. And then you have to explain to them that there's no oil in Afghanistan. Yeah. And then they'll say, well, there is heroin. And then you have to tell them we're not taking heroin from Afghanistan. 
shut up. We're yeah. getting like, yeah. there's yeah. just people love to be right. They can't accept mm-hmm. being wrong. And seven unfortunately, seven, seven out of 10 of seven out of 10 men are seven narcissists. out of like yeah. 100 men oh, yeah, typically yeah. are undiagnosed yeah. narcissists. It's like seven. Yeah. Yeah. And no one, no one wants to, here's the thing. I, I'm very lucky that my, I had a mentor I was telling you about my mentor taught me it was okay to be wrong and rich mm. uh, rather than be right and poor. And I can tell you mm. what I'm wrong about. And I can tell you, there's a lot of things in the Marine Corps I did that were wrong. Yeah. Uh, none of them were a war crime. Yeah. Luckily, uh, none of them were an actual war crime, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And you know, I think it's just like anything else, you know, it's like how people end up, you know, you know, make, making what ends up being a large mistake. Um, but in the moment, in the heat of the moment, like you said, mob mentality and, uh, yeah, you know, like, you know, I think, I think a lot of people have ended up myself included of like, how did I get here? You know, like, like how the heck did this happen? Um, right. And it's, it's super humbling. And so it's kind of like by the grace of God, you know, um, it wasn't worse. And so, right. But yeah, man, well, I, I appreciate you sharing that story and that's, you know, I learned a lot there. Um, you know, I, I never want to, uh, give the impression that like, you know, I've, I've experienced those things cause I haven't. Um, and so, um, I, I appreciate the perspective from those that have, cause it, it only, um, it only educates me and hopefully educates the listeners on, on like the reality of it all, you know? Um, oh that, yeah. Not, I mean, every- it's not covered. Everyone can learn from everyone. I tell people, I mean, I, I, I know 16 year old boys. I wouldn't trade my life for who, mm. you know, God forbid, uh, you have to live a day in their shoes too. So a lot of guys who are in the military, like, I think the biggest thing that they have is if they didn't see combat or if they didn't get to go on a combat deployment, I say combat doesn't make you a man. It mm. just shows what kind of man you were to the people who saw the way you reacted. Mm. So only they know the truth about you. So the only thing combat did for me was show the seven or eight guys around me that I would have been okay to hang out with in a zombie apocalypse <laughs> that I wouldn't have just ran and peed my pants. It didn't do anything else. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah, mm. you know, cause I had, we had guys, who, you know, they, they, they freaked out and they cried pretty much during combat for lack of a better way of putting it. Sure. They just acted like a total, uh, B I T C T H. Yeah. And the first thing they did when they came home was put on a combat action ribbon, mm. uh, on the back of their car. Mm. Mm. On the back, of, first thing I did was put on that that sticker on the back of their vehicle, so everyone knew that they were a real marine. Mm. So I, I I always tell people, I mean, just because you weren't there, or you didn't see combat, I don't care. Yeah. If anything, all it did was just make me more tired. Mm. You know, dude, and that dude, I I just so appreciate that perspective because, like, there, I mean, you and I know that there are so many young men and women now, I guess, that are like. They're joining, looking, looking for that experience and expecting that to, yeah, to validate who they are, you know, and, and like right. give them here. this purpose and this meaning for the rest of their life, you know, and yeah, um, you know, I've never met anybody that said it's satisfied, you know that. Yeah, it, it's it's a roller coaster you want to get off of, but then you realize uh, it's your fourth or fifth ride. And you still got six or seven months left. I think it was after my, I think my third or fourth firefight. Um, I was with a friend of mine who was in a different AO, not that far off, same company, but different area, you know, and he hadn't been in a firefight yet. And I was standing on post and he's like, so what's up, man? I heard you guys have been getting a couple of good little uh, fights out here. And I was like, yeah, to be honest, I'm, kind of done. I don't want to get shot at anymore. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, it's fun. The first or second time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who are listening will, will remark that I just said it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. Like they don't know that people join the Marines and it's an adrenaline rush and it is fun mm-hmm. until somebody gets hit and they're crying and then it's not fun anymore. And, or until, um, you, I have, I have stories to where I was, uh, pinned down to a point to where I just, gave up and was complete cowardice mm. and there's nothing I can do. And all I said was 
please don't shoot me in the face. Please don't shoot me in the face. Please don't shoot me in the face. Mm. And I was telling my friend, you know, I don't, I'm done. I'm kind of done. And he's like, I think you're just being a drama queen. And it, it was at that moment that I think I realized about the people that I was actually with that maybe they don't have the same perception of being in a combat zone, even though they're only a mile away from me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's intense, man. That's intense. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing your stories there. Um, I appreciate hanging out with you and talking, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I hope that like, you know, like, obviously there are people asking these questions, trying to gain, trying to get uh, an inside look on, on, you know, people's experiences like this. And, and hopefully, um, you know, hearing from your experience, like gives them enough to know that uh, it's, it's not really to be glorified. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pain behind it. Yeah. It's uh, I, I would tell people who thanked me for my service. Have you thanks an EMT or paramedic for theirs? Mm. because uh, I can guarantee you I can walk past your average EMT uh, or paramedic who's done more for our country than I have mm. uh, because they're out there every single day scraping up people and trying to save them and keep them alive. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've done that once or twice, a good couple of times, but they do that for a living every single day for American civilians and they don't get thanked for their service. So mm. I try and, spend my time and say, do you need to go halfway around the world to be validated? Mm. Yeah. 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 Man. Well, thank you, man. I like I, you've said so much and it, it, this has been such a different conversation than, than most of my, most of my episodes and most of my conversations. Um, and I feel like you've given us so many, so many more, um, you know, like narrow perspectives. A lot of time we focus on like a, a career as a whole kind of bird's eye view. Um, yeah. so I was going to, I mean, I still, I, I was going to ask you of like a, a, a narrow perspective story, but you've given so many. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't even know if, I don't even feel like I need to ask it's you that. Jo- it's job security. That way I might be able to get welcome back. <laughs> That's fair, man. That's fair. Um, yeah, man. No, I appreciate this. I, you know, it, what kind of what kind of insight and what kind of wisdom would you give to your younger self as you're joining? Be kinder to people's children. Mm. Take a second and remember that that's someone's baby boy that you're talking to. Mm. That's someone's son that they respect and they want the best for. Um, you don't have to yell at somebody uh, to prove to them that you are more right. Uh, just because you're in charge or just because you have more respect, take a second and realize that they're going to remember you for the next 20 years. So why not give them a better memory of you? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't think that you're never going to see them again. Um, don't think that just because you're in the Marines, you have to be tough. Remember that you're talking to someone's kid and be kind to people because their mothers would appreciate it more. Mm. even if uh you can get away with being mean to them because they are wrong um it doesn't make you stronger or a better leader mm. um for not respecting them too yeah yeah that's awesome man i mean you're you're a very kind-hearted individual and it, it's it's uh yeah it's it's refreshing you know it's you're, it's not like that the macho man mentality i you know and so it's uh it's I'm yeah I'm not very tough. <laughs> I'm very sensitive. I tell people if you're mean to me, I will I will probably cry. Mm. Uh, like I'm not I'm not a very tough guy anymore. I used to be tough back yeah. when I was 18 because I thought that made me a man. But now I'm just I'm a big old sissy. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. Where uh, I mean I feel like more of your followers are going to listen to this than than mine. But where where can people find more about you and? and follow along as you uh, continue to talk about your story and, you know, mental health awareness and helping people out. Yeah. Uh, so I have a, I have a saying, a lot of people ask me, uh, do you talk to any of your friends from the military? And I say no, because talking to them hurts me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a lot emotionally out of me, but I like to say that they talk about me to each other and they say, how's Matt doing? 
And I say, you know, uh, Matt's all right. And my username, if you guys want to find me or hang out with me, uh, be my friend, just search Matt's uh, underscore all right, or just Matt's all right. And that is the name of all my social media channels. Matt's all right. That's awesome. I love the the backstory behind that. <laughs> yeah, it's that, or, that origin story is my friend's talking about me because I won't pick up the phone. He's doing all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I look forward to uh, I look forward to further communicating with you, uh, you know, on on social media and on hopefully see you on Twitch one day. I'll, I'll come join. Um, yeah, hell yeah, please. And if you get a chance, you want to check out my Discord. Uh, I want to get you in there so they can all check out this YouTube, everything like that too. And I gave you a, a follow on Instagram already too. That way I can make sure we stay in touch. I saw that. Thank you, man. Well, I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, it's been a, it's been a very enlightening conversation for me and, uh, and I, I hope other people got a lot of, um, perspective out of it too. And, uh, I, like I said, I really appreciate you sharing the story and it means a lot. Thank you, brother. All right. Uh, again, I hope to see you again. I'm going to get on one of these. I, I got a couple more stories. Trust me, I'm still interested. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty more stories. Plenty more stories. Awesome, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to that episode with Matt. Um, like I said, it was pretty intense. And um, I, I hope that you took away something from this conversation. Because um, it's not a conversation that, that most people get to have. And it's not... You know, it's hard to get those inside looks and we're typically only fed what Hollywood feeds us or what the media feeds us. And um, that is never included in in what they feed us. So I think that perspective is important uh, for for understanding one, you know, the role of the U.S. military and two, the experiences that that men and women go through um, on behalf of the American citizens. So I, I hope that um, you guys found value in that and that 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 there's, you know, some, some gained perspective and experience from this. So I'll see you guys next week.